Welcome to the Catastrophic Comeback Podcast with American injury lawyer Clark Speaks, helping you find hope, purpose, and joy after a catastrophic injury. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Catastrophic Comeback, and I am thrilled today to have Tara Brown joining us. Tara is a uh, comedian and um, by profession, and uh, welcome, Tara. Thank you for being Thank here. you. Thank you so much for having me, Clark. I'm happy to be here. So tell me a little bit about your career, what you do now. Well, I am a full-time uh, stand-up comedian and a motivational speaker. Uh, I spent uh, more than 30 years uh, working in PR as a PR professional, did it for books and television and film. Uh, started doing stand-up comedy uh, about a little over nine years ago and uh, decided in January of this year to take the leap of faith and to uh, leave my corporate job and to do comedy and speaking full time. And here we are. All right. Well, so, so, well, first let's see, let's tell me a little bit about what you did in, in PR, some of the projects that you did, what type of work that you did. Um, did you enjoy it? Uh, and what kind of, what kinds of things were your responsibilities and accomplishments? Well, when I worked in uh, book publishing, I did, uh, uh, worked on a lot of books that were uh, New York Times and national bestsellers. I, it ranged the gamut from legal thrillers to sports books. I love good sports biographies. So I was the, you know, the, the cool thing in, in PR uh, and publishing, everyone kind of has a niche uh, they like to work on. So you, you tend to get those books you like. So I actually liked a lot of the uh, sports biography. So I worked on a book about Sandy Koufax. I'm a baseball fanatic, go Yankees. Hmm. Uh, so I worked on a book about Sandy Koufax, which was just the thrill of my life. Um, so much so I, and it wasn't by him, but it was by a uh, Washington Post reporter who had access to his friends and family, which if you knew him, you know, that's huge because he's a very private person and a oh, okay. tremendous amount of respect for him but he gave them permission to speak to her. So it was a pretty big deal. Um, so I worked on that. Another a great book uh, called Ghosts of Manila, uh, The Fateful Blood Feud between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. This book was interesting in the fact that it it kind of gave uh, shine to Joe Frazier in a way that a lot of uh, books and things don't. You know, everyone talks about Ali Frazier, but they talk more Ali than they do Frazier. So this book kind of shined a lot on him. And um, I got to work with the brilliant uh, late Mark Cram, who was a, a, a renowned sports writer on that. So that was fun. So a lot of the, the biographies, I also was responsible when I worked in book publishing for our Amistad line, which was African-American line of books. So I was very proud of the work that we did there. Um, and then, you know, so I'm originally from New York. And so when I was working in book publishing, obviously I was in New York. And so in 2003, uh, another leap of faith I made and moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I didn't know a soul, but it was just like, Charlotte seems like fun. And uh, the cool thing about moving to Charlotte, my plan was to do, because as I mentioned, I liked uh, uh, sports. So I was going to do sports PR. And um, when I was considering between Charlotte and Raleigh, uh, Charlotte had the better pro pro sports team. 
And as the saying goes, if you ever want to tell God a joke, tell him about your future plans. So my plan <laughs> was to come to Charlotte and do sports PR, but it didn't quite work out that way. So then when I moved to Charlotte, I uh, started doing uh, PR for television and, and film. And that was fantastic. Worked on a lot of great projects, uh, including some with uh, Taylor Hicks from American Idol uh, and the country music icon Trace Atkins. And I work with a lot of cowboys and I always have the running joke. I know more about cowboy and Western culture than any black girl from Brooklyn probably does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you have this thriving career in PR mm -hmm. and uh, in books and television and movies. And then at some point, it seems like a pretty dramatic shift into comedy. How did that, how did that go down? You know, I always like to challenge myself and I'm not, one who really feels comfortable if I'm sitting idle. So one day I was just looking, truth be told, I was looking for something to supplement my life, just something different to do, a hobby, if you will. So I Googled, literally Googled things to do in Charlotte and comedy uh, class popped up. And I was like, hmm, you know, people said I'm funny. Maybe I come from a long line of funny folks. I'll give it a shot. So it was a six-week class being offered at the Comedy Zone in Charlotte. And week seven, you graduate. So you get so for the first six weeks, you learn how to put together a five-minute set. And then on week seven, you perform in front of your friends and family. And it's the best show you will ever have in the history of your life because everybody's <laughs> coming there to root you on. And so you're like, I can do this. I'm amazing. Then you go out <laughs> to the real world and you're like, where are my people at? You know, so... <laughs> But it was it was great. And, you know, and, and I've been doing it ever since. So I do clean and family friendly comedy. And so it's afforded me the opportunity to be able to perform in a multitude of places. And I do a lot of corporate uh, work in churches and just different things. So it's been fun. So I'm familiar with your career and I've followed your career for a while. In fact, I, I, you and I met at, at one of your comedy performances yes and so so i and i love the whole i love the uh clean comedy and the uh you know that i can bring my kids to and, yes. that, and, and that and i think that's just a really cool thing and um so 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 what's the reception when you're when you're at a i mean how do you how do you get your your clean comedy out I mean, do you go to the same clubs as everybody else and just perform? Is it is it is it is it labeled? Is it how is it a different genre? How does that how does it how does it work and what's reception? Well, you know, when you're first starting out, you do a lot of open mics. You do open mics when you you get established also because you wanna make sure that the comedy works. You know, funny is funny. So if it's clean, it does I, you know, I don't go to a place specifically if they're doing clean, which are really hard for me to find anyway. So I, you know, you, you know, you have to sometimes build your own thing so much so that I produce and host my own clean comedy shows around Charlotte. But um, I go and, and work the material out at open mics across the country. The good thing, comedy is a lot about networking too. So when you're out at these open mics and different shows, you meet people, people see you, they put you on their shows. Um, you know, <clears throat> thankfully, I've been uh, on uh, enough shows that I can pretty much uh, I get asked to be on shows a lot, uh, which is always nice. And I can get to uh, pick and choose what I want to do. Uh, as I said, for me, you know, I, I tell people all the time I try to encourage 
my fellow comedians, I don't I don't want to change anybody from doing what they do. If you work blue and that works for you, that's fine. But I try to encourage everyone to have a good arsenal of clean material uh, in their toolkit because it will afford them the opportunity to stretch their brand. Uh, and because um, there's a saying that goes, if you work clean, you work more often. And I found that to be very true. So I am thankful and blessed that I get to work often. And, you know, at this point, like I said, I, I get the the luxury, if you will, for lack of a better word, of just kind of deciding what's a good fit for me and what's not. What, what is what is the reason for your commitment to clean comedy? It's just who I am. It's not, you know, I... I'm not a person in my daily life who speaks profanely. And so I honestly tell you jokes the way I speak to people. It's not like I made a conscious decision uh, to do it this way. It's just who I am. Also, I'm the daughter of a preacher. And I think my mama would not like me out on stage using a bunch of F-bombs. So <laughs> there you go. So is faith a part of your life? A huge part of my life. It, it guides everything I do. This whole uh, journey uh, of my life is just, it starts and ends with my faith. Well, so let's come back to that because there's some questions that I want to ask you about that. And that's kind of in our, in our wheelhouse, uh, mm -hmm. as far as, uh, just things that might help people get through tough times. Yes. You know? So in other words, the purpose of this podcast is every day out there somewhere, someone is wakes up to a, a terrible tragedy. They've been yeah. really seriously injured in an accident. They're in a hospital room. There's, you know, uh, they've lost a, loved one they've had a permanent injury uh that is going to affect them for the rest of their lives and and we want to be able to go into that room with them and give them some tools that might help them work through uh this process and so yeah. faith is one of the is one of the tools you know is one of the things that helps us get through tough times and so we'll come back and talk to you about that in a, okay. in a minute um well you know what let's talk about it now if, if you're it, it, how it comes up is if God is good and God is powerful, why does he let bad things happen? You know, how, yeah. how does a, how does a person die or become paralyzed in an accident? You know, how do we lose loved ones under those kinds of terribly tra tragic circumstances? And I'm sure you've had uh tragedy in your life or you've observed tragedy in your life. And how do you reconcile those things? You know, that's, the toughest question, you know, you get asked as a person of faith, you know, when you're, you're trying to speak to someone about your faith, and they come at you with questions like that. And they're very valid questions, and you don't want to diminish uh, what people feel. But what I can do is just, you know, accept that and what they're feeling, because I've sometimes I feel the same way. I feel like the words children and cancer should never be in the same sentence. So when you see children suffering and sick, it breaks my heart. Um, so I don't have the answer to that. What I talk to people about is I know what God has has done for me. I know that there are times when I didn't see my way out of situations and it was I can just point that there was nothing but the Lord that kind of got me through. It's interesting because I that over the past three weeks, I've been having a challenge in three weeks. And I remember being in my car and thinking to myself, I would not allow myself to get into this frame of mind that woe is me because it was, but so I kind of flipped the narrative and I said, you know what, God, yes, this happened, but you didn't allow this to happen. And so when I started kind of speaking that to myself, it really changed 
how I looked at my situation. And so I said, okay, God, you've got me through something similar. We're going to get, I'm going to, we're going to walk through this and you're going to show me out. And I'm not going to tell you like magically, I magically felt better, but it really helped me deal with it. And um, it's interesting. I had a, a very interesting experience happened last week. Um, I was in a uh, pricking up breakfast and uh, a woman walked in and she had really cute sunglasses on. And I started to tell her, oh, I like your sunglasses. And before I can say that, she said to me, you look so pretty. And I literally burst into tears in this place because I didn't, and I didn't even feel emotional, but I just had been having such a rough three weeks for her to say something kind just really pricked me. And I was like, the Lord knew I needed that. And so he sent this woman to do that. And then what, what happened is I hugged her. She hugged me. We start crying. She's telling me she had it for a few weeks and we were ministering to each other. And that's what I love about the Lord. I love that he will, he sees us. He hears us. He knows he cares. And I didn't even know I needed that lady. I didn't even feel emotional that day. And I was like, why am I crying? But I thank God that he allowed her to be a blessing to me, you know, to, to speak life into me when I needed it. So, you know, again, I don't diminish at all, you know, when people have tough questions about why does this happen, I can just speak to my experience of walking with the Lord and just how he's been, he, he's got it my whole life. And this whole comedy journey, I call it my Proverbs 18, 16 journey, uh, how the Lord's gift, uh, the Lord will let your gift make room for you. So I, again, I can just come from my place of, of knowing what God has done for me. Well, so it sounds like that your 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 the way you look at it is it's not so much that God does these things to people or even allows them to happen necessarily. It's this, but 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 what He can do, what what where God fits in is He helps us through these difficult things. Yes, He does every step of the way. It's just, and that is, you know, my prayer is like God help me to feel Your presence. And so a lot of times it's just you think you're in it by yourself and you're not. And and it can feel lonely. You know, I my heart broke during, during the pandemic because when people were in isolation and some people don't do well with things like that. And I just think that was a time for sure. You know, I had to lean on, on my faith really heavily because just it was a very isolating experience. But yes, that's, that's what it is for me. It's just feeling the Lord's presence around me. And just like, it, you know, it was so funny. I almost it, it it's an interesting um responsibility also because when you feel the Lord walking with you, you also feel and hear those times when He's telling you not to do something you want to do, like when you want to fuss somebody out in traffic or something. You're like, mm. I, I I I had someone laughing about this the other day, and I just I I laughed about it myself when uh, when I think about it. I was driving in traffic one day, and someone let me in front of them, and I was like, yeah, thank you. I kid you not, less than 10 feet, I drive 10 feet, someone tried to get in front of me, and I rushed up. And yeah. I laughed out loud, and I said, Lord, I saw it, my bad. <laughs> like, you know, and it's just, you just have to laugh, but just like, you know, we're giving grace every day, and we just have to remember to give grace to other people, be kind to other people, you never know what someone's going through. That's why with comedy, it's such an awesome responsibility to me that the Lord uses me to think of something in my mind, write a joke that will help someone in the room. Because my whole thing is when I say this a lot about my comedy, I don't know what you walked in this room with, but while you're here with me, I want to just be able to say something, maybe tell you a funny story that just will help 
you know, you get through or to change the direction of your day or make you forget about that thing, that heaviness you walked in with. And you not lived until you perform comedy and then afterwards someone comes up to you and says, you know, thank you for this. My dad just died and this is the first time I've been out and I have I needed a laugh. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, so I'm grateful that I get to do that. Well, so that's kind of the whole point of of uh, of this conversation is the idea of laughter can be the best medicine. Yes. And it's and it's if people are going through tough times, then uh, then then we're looking for ways that people can uh, things that people can uh, find that will help them through those tough times. Right. So so how do you. You know, when you're writing and when you were and, and when you were. Let me ask you this. You went through a, 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 you're a funny person. And then you learned, you went to, you intentionally went to a, a school or a class mm-hmm. or a series of classes to help you uh, use that natural ability and to craft and write jokes and those kinds of things. Um, what was that like? How did you, and, and what kind of material do you focus on? What kind of, what, what, what do you, what do you, uh, what's your sort of, genre or what do you you know are you uh, observational or what are the different genres and and what do you do and how'd you pick it i do i'm observational for sure uh self-deprecating um and i found my sweet spot you know i heard this said and i found it to be true you know when you first started out start out doing comedy you're trying to find your way you don't know what your your lane is and so on and so forth and about five years in you start to figure it out and i believe that's what happened for me so five years in, I really leaned in to doing comedy that focus on, focuses on me being a woman of a certain age. I'm 54 years old. I don't run away from that. You know, a lot of people get weirded out about talking about that. I don't. Because, and, and the reason that I don't, and I tell people this too, I'm from two of the toughest neighborhoods in Brooklyn, New York, where people didn't make it to see 54. So when I stand on the stage and I tell you that I'm 54 years old, what this is also is another declaration of my faith that I thank God that I made it to C-54. So what I found is that when I do comedy, as I call it, as a woman of a certain age, that really resonates with people. And so afterwards, like a woman came up to me after a show one time, she goes, you need to call Depends and let them be your sponsor because I laughed into my Depends. And I, I was so happy I had my Depends on and I laughed so much. So. <laughs> But um, I found that that has resonated with people really well. I also do a lot of workplace humor, um, which people really relate to. And again, because I work clean and I work in um, a multiple of spaces, uh, a multitude of spaces, I try to have comedy that travels well and plays well in all time zones. So it doesn't matter if you're a certain, you know, race or ethnic group or what or whatever everyone has a job or had a job so they understand workplace humor right um and if you're a person of a certain age you get that but now for instance if i'm doing a show one time i was doing a show um in a bar and grill and it was very millennial focused i'm not going to do a bunch of jokes about being over 54 to a bunch of 20 year olds they could care less you know so i'm i'm grateful that i have enough material that i can stretch and and go a lot of places. But like I said, more observational than anything is my humor. So, so when you're, when you're, um, when you're working on material, what kinds of things uh, inspire you? You mentioned, uh, office, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, 
and 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 also the the clean shows that you have and you put together those clean shows like you host them um and you bring the comedians to the clean I shows. Pick them. yes and that's <laughs> in charlotte and, and uh do, do what what age is is that do, can kids come to those kinds of shows Everybody, i create these shows not just clean but family friendly and that is extremely important to me and so at my show any age group can come when i have when you see you know tara brown's clean comedy show or clean comedy brunch that i do at the comedy zone it is eight it's all ages and i've done that intentionally because kids don't get to come to comedy shows and i remember the first one i did there were two things that awesome things that happened um I, everyone who came to the show, I knew them either. I had worked with them. I went to church with them. They were friends somehow. So I pretty much knew everybody in the room. And But I, I saw this guy and he had like two teenagers with him. And I, I like to go up and introduce myself to everyone and just say hi before the show. And I, rec I didn't know him. And so I introduced myself and I said, hey, how'd you hear about the show? And he told me so to advertise. And he said, you know, I never get to bring my kids to comedy shows. That is the reason why I did it. And then secondly... My coworker came and he bought his daughter. She had to be about eight. And as you know, I'm coming in and I hug everybody. And um, uh, <laughs> and I was, it was so funny when when COVID came out and said don't hug. I was like, I'm so getting this thing because I hug everybody. <laughs> like I hug everybody. But anyway, um, so she came in and I'm like hugging it. And this little girl wanted nothing to do with me. She was mad. She was there. She didn't know why they brought her. It was like stranger danger. Like leave me alone. So. <laughs> Um, after the show, she comes running up to me and gives me the biggest hug. She goes, that was amazing. I said, you have fun? She goes, I had so much fun. So she became my wife. Like her reaction. Oh, yeah. Ever since then, I was like, I'm locked in. So, and I tell the performers, I handpick everyone on that, those shows. And I tell them, my shows, you do not have profanity, vulgarity, or innuendo. I said, if you think it's questionable, it probably is. And the running joke I have is like, if you cannot tell your joke to your mama or your pastor, you cannot say it at my show. <laughs> and um, but and the other piece of this is is um, I also am trying to encourage people who don't normally work clean to have clean material in their repertoire. So what I will always do is make space available to give a comedian who doesn't normally work clean an opportunity to do a guest spot to do five to 10 very good clean minutes. And so, and that's worked out well. Um, and at my last uh, show, uh, I had a, a kid, a, a girl brought her her son and his friend and they said, Miss Tara, we have a joke we want to tell. So you want to tell it on the stage? And it's like, and their eyes got big. So I let them tell their jokes on the stage and it was just fun. So we have a lot of fun at these shows. And like I said, at my shows, I create this atmosphere that's very familial. So I'm, you know, we dance, we have fun. I was like, look at somebody you don't know, introduce yourself. And, you know, and so I, I we have a lot, we have a lot of fun, but it is such a labor of love. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.